The following audio message is from Neighborhood Church in Overland Park, Kansas. At Neighborhood Church, we seek to be a community that loves God and our neighbors together. If you would like to learn more about Neighborhood Church, please go to www.neighborhoodchurchop.com. Well, good morning, everybody, as people make their way back into the sanctuary. I just want to welcome you once again. Thank you, uh, Lori and your team and Lydia and all those that were a part of uh, helping those kids learn and wave that palm branch to remind us of the work that Jesus has done individually just show us what uh, could have been happening as Jesus was entering the city. Uh, this morning, I want to begin our sermon time. We spend about 30 minutes each Sunday to kind of read God's Word together and to, to study a portion of it. And um, in this season, in this year, this, these last two semesters, we've been in the book of Exodus, but there's different times of the year like Christmas and Easter that we uh, tend to go back to the narrative, go back to the story uh, of, of Jesus and what Jesus was doing and these uh, kind of uh, the Christian calendar that we celebrate as a people, and in these next two weeks, with it being Palm Sunday and Easter, we're going to be doing that. We also have a Good Friday service on Friday to remember the work that Jesus has done on the cross. I invite you to come to that as well. Uh, I want to begin our time today with a responsive reading, which uh, could be familiar to some who've come to different different uh, types of churches in the past. We don't do it much here, uh, but it's basically a way to read through scriptures or read through prayers uh, where I will read a portion and the congregation will read a portion together. And uh, we're going to be reading through Psalm 118. It will be on the screens for you and you'll be reading the second line. I'll be reading the first. Uh, but Psalm 118 is part of the uh, prophecy uh, or the, the, the things that were being shouted about who Jesus was. And I thought it'd be a great way to start off this Sunday service service is to kind of think through the song that they knew, that the Jewish people knew as they were attributing this psalm to Jesus. So once again, I will sing the first part of each verse and you guys will read together uh, the second portion. Psalm 118. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Let Israel say, Let the house of Aaron say, Let those at neighborhood church and those who fear the Lord say, Out of my distress I called on the Lord. Open to me the gates of righteousness. This is the gate of the Lord. I thank you. I thank you that you have answered me. The stone that the builders rejected. This is the Lord's doing. This is the day that the Lord has made. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. And everyone, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So this psalm, as we sang parts of this psalm and these modern songs that we sing today, it, it, it begins with the foundation of God everlasting. 
And God, the everlasting God, isn't just away and far and that exists. He is a God who has this characteristic of steadfast love. And may we all say it and remember it and be thankful for it, even as we just said it together as a community. It is God's love that describes his character as well as his actions. It is who he is. So why is steadfast love something to celebrate? Why is it something that we should think about today on Palm Sunday? Well, we sadly don't experience it very well uh, with one another. We will say we love one another, and uh, we will too often um, let each other down. And steadfastness probably isn't the the regular thing that we experience on this planet with other people. Because we are not 100% steadfast in our love the way that God is. But when we say, God, in your steadfast love, what we're saying is, God, you are always loving without fault. And how many times do we with one another, maybe with a family member, maybe with a close friend, maybe with a child or a spouse, that we experience some sort of action against us or some inaction, some something that should have been done that was not done correctly and that created some hurt in our life. And we have feelings and we feel like that that hurt is unresolved or there is something missing and maybe there's some unlove that's being felt in these scenarios. And then in response to this disappointment, this hurt that we feel because of this action or inaction against us, uh, we decide that we're going to speak to the person about it. We're going to say, I can't handle this anymore, so I'm going to speak up about it. But because of our own faults and our own hurts and our own disappointments, maybe the way we speak to the other person about it isn't done well. And it's not communicated the way that you wanted to communicate it. So now there's another person who now has hurt because what's being said doesn't feel right or doesn't feel clear or feels misunderstood or actually has caused some hurt because there's some misunderstanding there. And now what we experience is two people that are becoming farther apart, feeling less loved, even though maybe we've said, I would love you forever. Or I will always love you. Or I have a steadfast love for you. Because we recognize that my example that I just gave probably happened this week to all of us at some point or another. We understand the brokenness of love as humans. But as God, he knows the steadfast love of himself towards us because he never is confused Because of who God is and his character of forgiving and care and desire for us to be better and understood, he always takes the space of absorbing the brokenness. And that's what we're talking about today. The beautiful Jesus who in his steadfast love said yes to God. I picture God as the prodigal's father in the prodigal son story, where no matter how dirty or disappointing or hurtful the son has been, when the father sees the humility of the broken son, he chooses to run. 
That's the steadfast love of the Father. Not one who, because everybody is always doing right to him, he's, of course, on the throne happy. No, even in the brokenness, in the, the repulsion of sin, God says, in your humility, I will run to you. And this is the steadfast love of God as we quoted over and over again from Psalm 118. The greatest entity in the universe chooses to over and over again to say, here I am. Your king is here. Your king is here. Your king is here. This is the steadfast love that we can rejoice and sing Verse 5, we read this. I have some of these verses up on the screen for you today. Out of my distress, I called out on the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. My hope today is you come to church, as you come with brothers and sisters, or you're experiencing church back for the first time in a while, that you're looking for something new. You're looking for something that, is, that the world is not offering. And I want to tell you, it is found here. It is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I hope that you experience freedom as you hear and sing and pray God's word. Because when we call out to him, he always rescues. We are enslaved to sin. We are enslaved to others' negative opinions about us. We are enslaved to our own destructive tendencies. But the Lord hears our call and sets us free. Amen? Then we asked in this psalm to enter through the gates of righteousness. We sang this earlier in the Cornerstone song. We said, God, may I enter in through this gate that expects perfection. You can only ask to enter through that gate because you on your own cannot enter through that gate. There is only one way for a human being to enter through the gate of righteousness, and that is through faith in the work and the blood and the resurrection of Jesus. And what do we receive? We receive salvation. Verse 21, we read this. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. And where does this salvation come from? As we read through the psalm today, as we sang these songs this morning, verse 22, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Now, most of us in here do not start big buildings for a living or any building for a living. Maybe you built a shed, so maybe you know. But the very first brick you put down that's going to show the direction and the level of your shed or your house or your skyscraper is called the cornerstone. It's in the corner. It's what shapes the farthest top corner brick because of this brick. And what is the cornerstone that we are to build our life by? Well, believe it or not, it's a, it's, it's a block that was actually tossed aside as unworthy. This is the story of Jesus. Jesus was the stone that the builders rejected. He was not seen as significant or valuable or something to build your life upon. But 
for those that follow God and those that have accepted Jesus has said no. The one that was killed like a criminal is the one I'm going to build my life on. And that is the gospel that we celebrate this week. And we can, we can say together, we don't need to again, but we can say together, verse 24, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This broken cornerstone that was tossed aside has become the chief cornerstone. Stone Become the one we build our lives upon and we celebrate. God is making something out of the life and death and resurrection of Christ. So we cry out to God in need of salvation. God, I need something to build my life on because what I have chosen is always broken. I can't get it right. Jesus says, I will get it right for you. And he is our savior. Welcome into my life, Jesus the psalm, this song that was written a thousand years before Jesus walked up into Jerusalem on a colt. This thousand-year-old song was sang today on was sang that day on his behalf and read by us today to remind us of the work that has been done for us. Let's pray that God will guide us today. God, we need you. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for for the, the love of the whole world and the opportunity that for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. As we are reminded of this story or retaught this story today, Father, may you guide us into being in awe of the obedience, the obedience of Christ to his own death for the sins of others. It's in your name. Amen. So today we're going to be in Matthew 21 in a bit. I will, of course, put the, the, the words on the screen for you guys. This is called the triumphal entry. So and if you have the ESV Bible, triumph, victorious entry. He's entering into Jerusalem. This is Jesus's triumphal entry. That's Palm Sunday. Just getting you some Christian words to put in your little database. You know, in our heads, we have these folders like, what's the Christian stuff? That's what today is. The triumphal entry in Matthew 21. And we have to kind of be transported back 2,000 years to the other side of the world to Jerusalem, the city that, of course, still exists, still has the Temple Mount. There's no longer the Temple of God on there, but there's a mosque on that mount. But a thousand years ago, or two thousand years ago, there was the great Second Temple, bustling city, fifty thousand people plus, especially this time of year. During Passover, what's the city like? Well, there's a ton of cultures there, a ton of languages there, but it is a Jewish city. But in 63 BC, that's 63 years before Jesus was born, Jerusalem was conquered by Rome. 
and it was integrated in the Roman Empire. By the time of Jesus, there's, there's Romans around the city. Picture our kids walking to our school with soldiers from another country standing there with guns, just making sure everything's okay. This was their life in Jerusalem. Herod the Great was the king of the region. His descendants continued to rule. It was not easy for the Jews during this time, being controlled in a lot of ways by foreign laws and foreign taxes. And it was already hard enough to live in this region to not only take care of your family, but also take care of Rome. The Jews were often weighted down by uh, rules and laws they did not understand nor care about nor want to follow, but if they disobeyed, there were these harsh punishments and even a reminder of, of crosses around with dead bodies on them to prove to the Jewish people, don't disobey Rome or you'll end up like that. This was the culture of their city. So, if we think of Jesus, the one that's riding on the colt, going up into the city, what's, what's his context? Well, he's been teaching. From 30 to 33, he's been teaching. His ministry has started. And he's been moving around from town to town, walking around. He's been gathering crowds. Well, how does that happen? Well, Jesus healed. He, he taught about the kingdom. He freed people in a lot of ways. And he, he even like specifically freed people from demon possession. And Jesus' life and the way that he walked, and the way that he prayed, the way that he taught, he was physically fulfilling the law, never sinning for 33 years. And as this time has come, it is now time for him to Go to the cross. So he personally goes there. He's not taken to Jerusalem. He goes into the city that's going to put him to death. This is a, a prophet. This is the son of God. This is the, the people's teacher. That is the kind of guy that he went into a town. The scriptures say... All who are sick were healed. I don't know if you go into a hospital, but that would be good if everybody on every floor was healed in one day. I think the nurses would be happy to take a day off. Amen? Amen. <laughs> That's good. All right, so Matthew 21.1. Let's read about this story. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied with, and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. I don't encourage you to do this very often unless God tells you to. The, the Lord needs your, your Tahoe, right? Or whatever. Like, no, this is, this is a Jesus thing, right? Verse 4, this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet saying, 
Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Verse 6. The disciples went as, and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and colt and put on them their cloaks. And he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road. And others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Do you hear Psalm 118? Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So what are the people saying about Jesus, attributing to Jesus this psalm? Well, as we read it earlier, he is the one who is bringing forth the steadfast love of God. It's, he is now displaying sacrificial love, a love that comes to the broken. The king has arrived, and now we're going to see how is the world going to respond? How is Jerusalem going to respond as Jesus enters into the city? Some are responding to the king as, as he's returning home from a battle. He's returning and the people are celebrating. He is riding on a colt, a young donkey. This idea of, of this prophecy that Rivers read from hundreds of years before Jesus, that Jesus is establishing himself as the Messiah, that he is appointed. He is the, he is the Messiah, the Son of God, who's here to, to save the world. But secondly, I want us to point out that he's, he's showing himself as victorious. What do you mean by that, you may ask? Well, people don't rejoice when a king enters a town and the army was defeated. This is a sign of victory. This is a celebration. And you're thinking, well, wasn't Jesus this kind teacher that was kind of like barefoot hippie guy, like walking from town to town, sharing positive things to people? Where's the... Where's the swords in the Gospels? And I want to remind us that the battles have not been with flesh and blood, but with the word of truth and against demons and against the kingdom of darkness. So a human king would, would enter a city full of pride showing off his power, and behind him would be all the slaves that he captured, all the, all the foreign armies tied up with their heads bowed. And the king would be celebrated. Look at the plunder. But what about Jesus, the Son of God, the, the steadfast love king? What about him? Well, he comes into town, and what's behind him? People with their arms wide, not shackled, in freedom, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes. Palm Sunday is a reminder 
that we don't have a king that's a prideful ruler, but we have a selfless hero who sacrifices his life for others. From the very beginning, God has devised a plan to redeem humanity from our own disobedience that he would send Jesus as, a, as an atoning sacrifice for your sin and for mine in our place. But to achieve this, Jesus would have to enter into this holy city. He'd face betrayal of his own, one of his own disciples, and be abandoned by most, and ultimately suffer execution on one of those crosses the Romans use to kill criminals. And all this in the name of saving the world. So our main point or the point of the day is blessed is Jesus who comes in the name of the Lord. This word blessed means celebration of power and honor. The blessed one of God. Jesus is the one that Psalm 118 sings about. How will you and I respond today? Matthew 21.10 says this, And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. So some from the city have heard, some have believed most behind him that are following him and singing and shouting, our followers, but many others were skeptical and also unaware. And it seems like there was more than just, you know, confusion. There was a stirring. And as I, as I think of this stirring, I, I think about just even in our day, when the name of Jesus is pronounced on a stage or in a Bible study, it's celebrated within the church. But you go into another location and you say Jesus. And it's not said like, you know, the whole commandment thing we're working on, not like the third going against that. Like the right way, like the gospel preaching Jesus, like the honorable Jesus that we love and we care about. And we say, what does Jesus think about this? What happens in people? There's kind of like this stirring. It's like, why do you want to bring religion into this? Keep religion out of this. But as followers of Christ, we know that Jesus is the answer for, for everything. Jesus, if there's discussion and there's tension, Jesus is going to solve the problem. You know that because it's going to be a lot of selfless acts and a lot of caring and a lot of love that's probably going to solve that problem. But the world says, no, that's, that's kind of a stirring. Who is, who, what are you trying to do here? What's your motives? The beauty of the gospel is the motives is to give away an abundant life to everyone on the planet secretly. No, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And when Jesus comes around, my hope is that we will find winsome and beautiful ways to allow the stirring to move to worship. When we experience this with the name of Jesus, we will sometimes 
resort to taking a step back or choosing to not speak up, not to cause a stirring. But Jesus says, I'm riding in this town on a colt and people are going to be shouting my name. Let's go. And praise the Lord he did that. Though he died because of it. But he knew that his name and his work would change the world. And my hope today is like those following Jesus, that we will seek to free people even though it may cause a stirring. He is the one, the anointed king, the son of God, who comes in the name of the Lord, our steadfast God. So as we wrap up, there are two sides to choose from in the kingdom. There's there's two options of what are you going to hold in your hand this holy week. Are you going to hold a palm branch and welcome King Jesus into your life? Are you going to hold a hammer and some nails and say, liar, you false prophet, die. Every person will need to decide how they see Jesus. Because God has made you. You exist. You must choose. Will you allow him to be the savior of your life? Or will you be king? As we go to the table in a moment, my hope this week is that you will think about how Christ is your king. Or how Christ is not your king. And for Christians in the room, what are the steps that need to be made that you're not fully living under his authority? Repent. May we be like the prodigal son who remembers that you have a steadfast loving God that you say, I'm sorry. And you see, as you take one step, he's flying at you, ready to wrap his arms around you and say, welcome back, daughter. Welcome back, son. But if you're here just checking out church and you're like, I don't know, what does this mean? That this week you would consider, you would maybe come Friday night, let's talk about the cross together. Come on Sunday morning, let's celebrate the resurrection of Christ and the power of that for all who believe. But most of all, talk to a Christian. Talk to somebody you know that loves Jesus. And tell them your questions. Let's take steps to recognize that Jesus Christ died for your sins and he's welcoming you home. Let's pray. Jesus, we are, we are in awe of your obedience to God. The hardest thing ever to do, you did. And you did on our behalf. Father, this week as we celebrate your obedience of coming to the city of God to teach, to do the work, to be betrayed, to be punished so we don't have to be, may we be changed. May our hearts be softened. May we love others more deeply in hopes that they can have the abundant life that you provide through faith in Jesus. Amen.